1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the OutKick Network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from Nashville. Plenty to hit today. All things NFL and college football and much more. John McClain will join us. He's coming up in an hour. We'll talk NFL headlines going into week 14 Tom Brady does it again. We'll dissect what the Bucs did in the final five minutes of last night's Monday Night Football matchup against the Saints. Shannon Terry, founder and CEO of all things media, sports media. Started rivals, sold it. Started 24-7 sports, sold it. He now owns and is the founder of On3 Sports, and they have a transfer portal ranking that launched today. He'll be in studio with us here in Nashville He'll chat with us in two hours. Uh, plus, we've got plenty of reaction to the Heisman Trophy finalists. Chad, good afternoon. We start with uh, a shakeup across the NFL. The Titans, 7-5 and five on the season, leading the AFC South. They're going to the postseason. They're going to host a playoff game, at least, again. They fire their general manager today, John Robinson, who has constructed from 2016 to now a winning franchise, but not winning enough. 66 and 43, now into his seventh year, three and four in the
0: playoffs. The two prior years to John Robinson with the Titans, the team was five and 27. And Amy Adam Strunk, who apparently is a savage to the level I did not know, fires the man less than 48 hours after his team goes to Philly and gets smashed by the star player he traded to that very team who smashed them in that game. This is a surprising move. It's not shocking that it happened. The timing of it, to me, is shocking. Hutton, it is borderline disrespectful and spiteful to fire the man that has gone through six winning seasons with you, by the way. Unprecedented in the history of this franchise. The only GM to have six straight winning seasons. Every season he's been the GM and he gets fired two days after that. I'm in shock, and I think something is going on here. I don't know if it's an either-or type deal, but Mike Vrabel has a big part to do with this. There's no doubt about it. He was upset, and rightfully so, when his star receiver, A.J. Brown, got traded away. And I think that he is, if not behind it necessarily, he's okay with it. And he's part of it. And now there's reports coming out that Mike Vrabel is going to get a lot more control over well, personnel no with this team.
1: Not at all. That's no surprise. And th- this is shocking to me, stunning to me, because, Chad, you say the timing of it. I, I would have been shocked even after the season, if they bow out, that he's out. And let- let's give a time frame here. February of this past this, this past February, same year. Uh, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel received contract extensions together. And in December, on December the 6th, he's fired with five games remaining for the AFC South leading Tennessee Titans. You can say, and I agree with this, that this team isn't going very far in the playoffs. I'm totally on board with that. But if you're going to point to results, you should wait until the results happen, especially at the general manager spot where we're a month from that happening anyway, roughly. Roughly five or six weeks away from that. And the hay's in the barn. If you really think about the way the roster is constructed and and who can actually help this team right now with the problems they're having. Again, problems, albeit, for an AFC South leading franchise. You can do that in January and February because the, the candidates that you're going to inquire about are currently in other front offices anyway. Unless you're just going to promote from within, which if you're doing that, you could also... Wait until the off-season. There is more behind this than just, oh, A.J. Brown went off. Um, there, there, there has to be more than that for the timing of this to come about the way it has. The statement from ownership with the Titans and, and from controlling owner Amy Adams-Drunk reads, Since becoming controlling owner in 2015, my goal has been to raise the standard for which is expected in all facets of our organization – I believe we've made significant progress both on and off the field through investments in leadership, personnel, and new ideas. This progress includes the core of our business, the football team itself, which is regularly evaluated both by results, wins and losses, and team construction, roster building. I am proud of what we have accomplished in my eight seasons of ownership, but I believe there is more to be done and higher aspirations to be met. I want to thank John for his dedicated work to this organization on an upward trajectory, and I wish him nothing, and, and nothing but uh, for him and his family the best. That from Amy Adam Strunk, the owner of the Tennessee Titans. Keep in mind, this is the same general manager who cried at the combine back in February. This is the same general manager, Chad, that you and I and Koharski sat with at the AFC Championship game three years ago. And he cried because he had made it to the AFC Championship game for the team that he had rebuilt and this is the same owner that hired him that is now saying they don't want him rebuilding or touching this franchise with the direction that it's headed. That is crazy to me in December that we're talking about that here, considering the other decisions that have been made within the organization.
0: It's a move that's usually made with someone who's got a big-time losing record after three or four years. Or and has some things start to or Yeah, things start to break mid-season four. You're right. And then you fire, and it's no surprise to anyone. Just to fire him midseason, if there's nothing else going on but the loss to Philly, and look, it's a hit list to me of really three huge things. And we can highlight some other ones as well. Mm-hmm. The three mistakes of John Robinson, the mortal sins of John Robinson with the Titans, trading away A.J. Brown when you had a contender and you had the AFC's number one seed. That's number one. Number two is drafting Isaiah Wilson, who had no interest in playing football. That you acted like because the guy had a jolly laugh and a big smile, he was going to be a great right tackle in the league and he was a dud. That's two. Number three, drafting Caleb Farley, who can't find the field, who had a bad back and a bad knee before he even got to the Titans, can't stay healthy and quite frankly can't play when healthy. Those are the three big ones. There are other ones. Vic Beasley didn't work out. Julio Jones didn't work out. Dylan Raidens, who was a reach in the second round because you whiffed on Isaiah Wilson, isn't working out. We all know the on-field reasons John Robinson is no longer the GM. But the facts remain that the guy is 66 and 43 as GM and has had six winning seasons and in this awful year for the Titans, they're 7 and 5 and should coast to the division title. So why do you do this if there's not something else going on that we don't know about yet? You do it to send a message. Because Hutton, there's no practical way that you want to do this midseason. There's no big advantage. It doesn't get you at the, at the front of the line for the next GM hire. The next GM is Mike Vrabel, in, in my eyes. That, that's what this thing is headed for. There's going to be someone with that title, But Mike Vrabel is going to have control of that someone, and he's going to have final say and the biggest say on roster and personnel moving forward. I'd be shocked if that's not the case. So you're doing this basically to flex and say winning the AFC South in three straight years is not good enough for this franchise,
1: but they want to win a Super Bowl. But they're doing it before they don't win the Super Bowl this year. Knowing that they're going to win the the South, that's the crazy thing of the timing of it. And and here's the other thing, just behind the scenes, and and if you follow the team, if you if you follow uh, what they've done recently, they were awful prior prior to Robinson and Vrabel and, and Amy Adams Strunk taking over as the controlling owner. Quite frankly, um, and and she's done great things. And this is not just reaction to her firing him. It's that to me, it's the timing. This is. This is an organization that just released a, a paragraph statement for a guy who opened up the press conference when he was first hired, Chad, saying it was his dream job. He's from, what, uh, two hours away uh, here in, in from where we sit right now. He's from Northwest Tennessee. And the, the results speak for itself based on what they're back to now, where other owners are openly admitting they're chasing the Tennessee Titans. No one would say that. Um, they are, then should be better than where they are. But this is why they are where they are in part. They pride themselves on an organization that through their culture is not pointing fingers. So when all these injuries happened a year ago, Vrabel, Robinson, Strunk, all of them would point and say, hey, we, we're going to make sure we stick together. The players would say, we're not going to point fingers no matter how bad the defense is, the offense is. All these injuries, there's no excuses. We pick up and it's next man up. What they did today is a point the finger at John Robinson prior to the results actually happening. It, it's it's And we've seen bad results. And again, I don't think they're doing very much this season. I didn't think they were going to win the number one overall seed last year either, and they did. And to me, that it's, it's a bit premature to just say he's fired because A.J. Brown went off on them. There, there's uh, in one game. This is more about a roster construction and a, a vision between ownership, general manager, and head coach that were not in line. And for whatever reason, they could not work together on December the 7th. They, he was fired on a, a Tuesday after a loss to Philadelphia. Um, let, let me
0: Let me clarify here. I'm not arguing that he was fired just because A.J. Brown went off on him. My argument is the timing of this less oh, than two days after that yes. is a direct shot yes. at him. The the timing is not an accident and not by not no coincidence. And which leads me to believe clearly they couldn't work together, but something happened either right after this game, in a meeting after this game, where Mike Vrabel let it be known this dude is the reason that we are where we are right now. But it, it, because it, of this move that he made, but that one, and Amy Adams strunk agreed with him and side with Mike Vrabel. Here's the other thing I want to—I'll speculate but it's, about it's,
1: again. But but don't 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 let's go in in order here. Uh, just based on what you said again, this is not an organization that points the finger, or mentions blame publicly during the season, right? Robinson took the blame at the combine last year, and then we know the results there. Yeah. This isn't just an emotional reaction to one game, and they talked yesterday and decided on this today. This I, has been If you buy into that, you're saying this has been going on since the two were paired together in a contract extension in February. This isn't something that just happens overnight that ownership reacts to immediately. I, 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 certainly,
0: that's something they've been thinking about, but it's hard to argue the emotion of it because it's emotion one way or the other. So you're telling me that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel couldn't coexist for six more weeks with each other, and then you fire him right after the season? You do the what most NFL organizations would do, which is ha- you show a little it. bit of respect for a guy that had six winning seasons with you, and you guys coexist for six more weeks, then fire him and give him a massive... Buy- I don't feel sorry for John Robinson. He's getting paid sure, because he got a contract extension in February. Don't take it as that. But something happened here. This is more Al Davis than Amy Adams Strunk. A move like this, and I, I'm not saying it's just because Amy Adams Strunk watched that game and uh, she was getting the bird flipped at her in the in Philly by fans, and they were thanking her for trading them AJ Brown, and because of that she left and fired John Robinson. I'm not saying that. Clearly, something that was discussed, but emotion played into the timing. It's one way or the other. John Robinson could not work with Mike Vrabel anymore. Mike Vrabel couldn't work with him. Amy Adams-Strunk had to fire him because of it. Something has happened that we don't know about yet. Here's the other thing I want to speculate about with this. Joe Rex wrote of The Athletic wrote a column recently about Mike Vrabel and Ohio State. I don't think that was by accident. I don't think that was some grand stretch or leap that was being made. I'm not saying that they're firing Ryan Day. Or that you know, Mike Vrabel was going to get that job. But I do believe the timing also of that to be interesting in that maybe, if not even Ohio State, there was someone who reached out
1: about interest and Mike Vrabel played his hand but I don't, in this to get power from the Titans. But you can do that in January when Ohio State's playing in the college football playoff and Ryan Day remains the head coach. I mean, you can wait until after the season if, in fact, you're buying into the idea that they're not going very far in the postseason. You can use that leverage to stay and have your own GM join you after the season is complete. Again, it's, a, it's an upset the apple cart moment today for a 7-5 and five team that is admitting they're not going further in this championship window um, and they're doing everything possible to steady a ship that is more than just at a crossroads, right? Like, again, the, t- well, yeah. the timing is coincidental, but if, if you're going to use that as leverage, you can do that without doing it now. Yeah, I just think... Because Ryan Day's not going to get fired. He's in the college football playoff.
0: No, but I also think that if, if, you, want, if you want someone gone, it's better to do it when you're 7-5 and five and headed to an AFC division title than to do it when you get housed at home in the playoffs and you win two of your last seven games, which that may be what the Titans are headed for. And I, I think Mike Vrabel may know that.
1: I mean firing him I, now I or think, firing look, him again, the result would be the same.
0: I don't I don't know the, but that's but that's the the point with Robinson. It makes no sense other than you're appeasing a fan base or you've got two people who can't work with each other and you've got to do it now to get rid of it and pull the pull the band-aid off quickly. I mean I mean do, do you think that the way this team is built with their roster and their players and Mike Vrabel in charge that this is now going to inspire the locker room in some way?
1: I would say the same organization that you're saying you know, had to pull the plug on this continues to hire and employ Todd Downing, and the paychecks are signed by the same person. And Todd Downing, results on the field and off the field, have not lived up to expectation. And they're saying it's more personnel than it is Todd Downing. Uh, but last year, they continued to run the football well without Derrick Henry. Personnel was worse then. You know, uh, and A.J. Brown played on that team.
0: So let let me tell you what I think the big difference is between Todd Downing and John Robinson in this. John Robinson's much better at his job than Todd Downing, first and foremost, and he got fired. The biggest difference is Todd Downing is Mike Vrabel's guy, and it's clear John Robinson is not.
1: Uh, Maybe so, but I still believe Todd Downing can get fired after the season just as easily as John Robinson got fired today. For
0: sure, but Todd Downing, you know, should have been fired after the DUI if they really wanted to. Sure. And it's and it's John Robinson that's without a job midseason.
1: It's a, I, it's a very I, I, strange set I'm of circumstances. I'm saying is
0: I, I fully believe... And I, I think Mike Vrabel's an elite NFL coach. I've said this repeatedly. If I'm the he owner is. and I'm trusting one or the other, I'm siding with Mike Vrabel. If Mike Vrabel truly believed in John Robinson, John Robinson is still the general manager of the Titans. Full stop. If man. he goes to the owner and says, hey, one bad move, two bad moves, he's still the man for the job... He's doing a good job. He'll continue to do so. John Robinson is still the GM. I don't think Mike Vrabel, he reached a point where he could not say that with a straight face. Well, let's point out some other obvious
1: uh, points of emphasis here uh, in regards to what Robinson chose to do or did not do in regards to paying A.J. Brown. You think John Robinson wants to pay Jeffrey Simmons? Jeffrey Simmons is telling reporters that he doesn't know if the Titans are going to have the money to pay him. You think that's a John Robinson issue? Let's also mention this. You want to go through Vrabel's successes. John Robinson traded for Ryan Tannehill. Robinson drafted Derrick Henry. Uh, Robinson drafted A.J. Brown. Robinson j- drafted Jeffrey Simmons. Robinson drafted Kevin Byard. The list goes on and on. And that's the fabric of what has worked for Mike Vrabel, who took over a roster that undoubtedly needed his touch as well. But it's not like Robinson is some massive failure. Um, no. No. And uh, quite frankly, the expectations for Vrabel now increase. They don't decrease based on this move. The bar is set. And while he's completely safe, it's time for more results than mediocre offensive play and trying to win 17-13. That's not going to work. And I think they know they've got to score more points. That goes back to my point. Todd Downing continues to be able to call plays for this offense, and they're not scoring any points. Derrick Henry led the league in rushing after week nine. Since week 10, he's 22nd in the league in rushing. Same personnel. If if you were to put, uh, you know, the
0: hit list of percentages and we were to bet on who's going to lose their job in season, Todd Downey <laughs> wins that every time. And it's John <laughs> Robinson. That's no, what I None keep, of them. They don't fire anybody right, in mid-season. That's what I keep coming back to. Something happened. Yeah. Something went down, something happened between Vrabel and Robinson or Robinson and someone else, or Robinson in ownership, or just a very frank conversation with Amy Adams-Strunk and Mike Vrabel. And look, if I'm asked to choose, if it's, you know, gun to your head, you got to pick one or the other, I'm picking Mike Vrabel, and every oh, Titans yeah. fan is right now. No doubt. But you were spot on about this, Hutton. This, this only increase, increases the pressure on Mike Vrabel. And if Mike Vrabel has one weakness in his arsenal, He is loyal to a fault, and he has shown that with Todd Downing. Will he show that this offseason? I wouldn't think so. I don't know. But if you get more power and you are one way, you're not immediately going to go the other way when you get the power. You're going to protect your guys, the ones you love. You'll protect them even more and be more stubborn about that. So for those that are doing backflips over Todd Downing needs to get fired, Todd Downing needs to get fired – I wouldn't be so excited about this move being an indication that he will. Because I think now Mike Vrabel has even more power and no one's telling him who to hire or fire on that staff. It's going to be his decision completely. Or
1: suspend. Or suspend. Because the league will ultimately suspend Todd Downing for his DUI uh, once the legal process plays itself out. But the Titans could have made a move and suspended him on their own prior to this and chose not to. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, we will hit the other headlines of the day, Brady does it again, and we start when we return in regards to the Heisman finalists. Chad, you and I have different takes on this, but I think we end up in the same spot uh, with regards to the process of how this is all determined and the four that were chosen and the interesting selection of those four that will be at the Heisman ceremony uh, in New York. Again, hit us up at OutKick360. OutKick360, excited to partner with Aurora Science and VitalLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com, the website. Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitalLifeScience.com, the place to go check out all the vitamins and supplements. It's where you can see more info. OutKick360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. You're wasting your money on that because... It's absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Vitalifescience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. V-I-D-A, VITALIFEScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted
0: by Kevin Hart, the seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by
1: famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A couple of quick headlines as we welcome you back to Outkick 360. According to Ed Werder, the Cowboys have concerns that Odell Beckham Jr.'s ACL has not progressed enough to ensure that he'll be able to play before the middle of January, and that could mean that he's not playing at all until next fall. Not good. And Jerry Jones had a a change in tone this morning when he was talking about Odell Beckham Jr. on his weekly hit in in Dallas. Um, But Chad, this is going in line with, he's made these free agent visits Giants, Bills, yesterday with the Cowboys, that would mean that you know the, the doctors did some investigating on the, the, the knee and the rehab, and they don't feel like he's, maybe he's back on, back on it running and doing all that great stuff, but he's not nearly ready to play and help them. And therefore, you're not going to invest in him right now. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly not good news for those looking to add a weapon like yeah. Odell Beckham
1: Jr. late to their postseason run. The Eagles added A.J. Brown today. The Titans departed with General Manager John Robinson. And here's A.J. Brown tweeting out the same day. He's got a new T-shirt line out um, through his website. We'll give him a shout-out there, ajbrown11.com. Swole Batman, a.k.a. The Terminator, is the the logo. And, you know, The Terminator, you can read that into exactly what you think, um, terminating John Robinson as General Manager. Now, um, of course— AJ then is quickly uh, able to respond to those reading into this, which there's no, there's no question. He knew what he was doing. Uh, uh, he says, look, I'm not going to kick a man while he's down. The t-shirt line had launched prior to this event happening. Yeah. But I mean, his tweet happened, you posted afterwards, right after you saw the news. So we know what you're doing. AJ being AJ, he'll soon delete this. I'm sure the other tweet I'm saying, um, the Heisman finalist announced Hinden Hooker, not one of the four headed to New York, uh, but we do see Max Duggan. We see C.J. Stroud. We also have uh, Caleb Williams, who's the odds-on favorite, and Stetson Bennett from Georgia. Those are the four finalists for the Heisman Trophy. Chad, your, your initial reaction when you saw that Hooker was left off? Uh, disgust,
0: quite frankly. I, I think it's, it's terrible. Um, I, I think that th- this is – we're going to get into the process of, of naming the Heisman and what's going on with Heisman voters everywhere, but I looked it up. This is from the Heisman Trophy Trust a website. This is the definition of the award. It's awarded to the outstanding college – the most outstanding college football player in the United States whose performance epitomizes great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. Look, Stetson Bennett meets all that criteria. Um, This is not a knock on on Stetson Bennett, but just here's here's one. I'm going to use Stetson Bennett in this because Hendon Hooker was the SEC's offensive MVP, and as of eight minutes ago, he was also named first-team All-SEC quarterback. Never in the history of this award has the SEC offensive MVP not been a finalist for the Heisman while another player has been a finalist. That's never happened in the history of this award. Versus common opponents. I'm going to credit Zach Reagan, who covers the Tennessee Vols, for these stats. Hooker versus Bennett. Five common opponents. South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, LSU, Florida. Hinton Hooker had 1,701 total yards, 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. Stetson Bennett had 1,357 total yards, 9 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. In those games. Those aren't bad numbers. Those also aren't Hendon Hooker numbers. So I'll ask this simple question between the two. Swap them. What's the record? Hendon Hooker's Georgia's quarterback with that roster, and Stetson Bennett is Tennessee's quarterback with that roster. What is Tennessee? Six and six? Seven and five, maybe? Georgia's still undefeated. This has too often become, and Stetson Bennett is a great story of perseverance diligence and hard work, which exemplifies the Heisman Trophy. But part of this is also most outstanding player. And I cannot think of a more outstanding player this year than what Hendon Hooker did for that Tennessee football program in this season. Hutton, I was not expecting him to win it. I don't think that he should win it, quite frankly, because he was injured with one game left. He still had better numbers, not having the stat-stuffing game he would have had against Vanderbilt, did not have an SEC championship game, which, oh, by the way, he would have if there wasn't a division format. He would have had another chance against Georgia. May have been bad for him again. First time against Georgia defense, not his best game. We all recognize that. But my big issue is it's as if the Heisman voters, and you're going to get into how everyone starts to think the same way. It's as if every Heisman voter tuned in for every second of that loss to South Carolina and didn't see a single second against Alabama, one of the most watched games of the college football season, or didn't tune in for a single second of his performance against Florida. That was courageous at the time because he was battling injuries throughout that game. Didn't sit through the 27-point win Tennessee and Henan Hooker put on LSU on the road. It's very, very easy To nitpick and choose and go, okay, who are the four playoff teams again? Okay, let's get those guys from the playoff teams. And then, oh yeah, Caleb Williams, he's really famous also. We'll put him
1: in. So my biggest beef isn't even with Stetson Bennett um, because at least with Stetson Bennett, I mean, if we're we're about stats, where's Michael Penix Jr.? If it's about stats. I mean, his passing numbers are incredible. Um Stetson so here's here's my biggest complaint with the voting process and with most voters not all but most I don't think the majority of these voters watch a ton of college football unless it's on the national broadcast now consider what Stetson Bennett has done and how things have played out because there is no clear cut most outstanding player this year, which is great for debate, but it also, I think, has screwed up a lot of the voting at the very end, and it has caused a lot of groupthink. I don't, I mean, for all the years to, to have a non-quarterback win it, this is a really good year. If you start looking around for other skill position players, you want to talk defense, there there are outstanding players defensively across college football too, and we had them represented last year. And we, we knew that Bryce Young was going to win it. My point here is it's about the... Uh, there is some recency bias, but there, it's also about who who is actually on the marquee games and who steps up and wins and plays well. That is Stetson Bennett. Oregon, Tennessee, LSU. He threw for more touchdowns against LSU than any SEC opponent of his career in the SEC championship game. And the SEC championship game, aside from the national title, is the most viewed championship game. So... Stetson Bennett steps up and has made play after play when the voters are actually watching. Do, you, do we think that the voters have watched more than two and a half games total of Caleb Williams at USC? I don't. Do we think they've actually paid attention to Max Duggan outside of the last couple of weeks? I don't. And if, he, if they have, we would have talked more about him as far as this debate is concerned to go along with Hendon Hooker at the time, who was the odds-on favorite, C.J. Stroud, and at the time, Bryce Young went to Knoxville, and he was in the discussion. Max Duggan wasn't. and Bennett wasn't. But then Tennessee happened. Then LSU happened. And C.J. Stroud, his numbers are impressive. But in the biggest games, or the game, let's just look at Ohio State's schedule. The game. What did he do? I mean, I'm looking at the the... The makeup and and moxie of the most outstanding player, and like the offensive and defensive fronts against Michigan, C.J. Stroud was not good in the second half. It was the opposite, so it's hard for me to even point out some of the odds on favorites here that deserve that are probably getting some of these votes. I just have it. I think more voters watch C.J. Stroud because he's the odds on favorite when we started the season, yep. right? But I I don't think they paid attention much to to Caleb Williams early in the year. I I don't think they were watching TCU all that much because TCU came out of nowhere, just like Tennessee. And whenever they watched Hendon Hooker, they saw the Georgia matchup. And they also saw Bama, but they saw Georgia. And that affected this vote, not because they're actually digging. If we're really digging for the most outstanding player, this four-pack, even we include Hendon Hooker, the five-pack, there are other players... That should be considered. Yeah. That has turned into well, we don't know who to vote for, so I guess it's a quarterback award this year. I don't get that.
0: And, and I don't. You you use the term recency bias. I looked at this list also, and I immediately thought, oh, these are the guys who the the voters saw this weekend, right? These all these guys at played the fourth, this weekend except C.J. Stroud. Well, so so what's the difference with C.J. Stroud? Well, he's Ohio State's quarterback. He right. was the preseason Vegas favorite right. to win it. And I'll take it a step further. They won 21-10 over Notre Dame in their second biggest game of the year. Ohio State's marquee games. I mean, are we giving him credit for that big win over Indiana on the big noon kickoff game where he played well? His Heisman moments came against Notre Dame in the season opener, a game everyone watched where their offense was bogged down against Marcus Freeman's defense, and then against Michigan where they got beat going away in the second half. The problem that I have, though, is that doesn't penalize C.J. Stroud, but a bad performance against a great Georgia defense, not Hinton Hooker's best day, and he was fighting through injuries in that game, but doesn't matter. Wasn't great. So we're going to take that one game, and a game where really it wasn't even playing that bad. The defense was just terrible against South Carolina, and that's going to outweigh Alabama and all the touchdown passes, all the yards, the two plays that won the game when they – got the ball back with no time left almost, and then went down the field and scored. It's very much cherry-picking to make your argument without the ability to look at these teams and these players. You're right, they don't really watch college
1: football. I don't think so.
0: You know what they do? They watch ESPN. And when ESPN turns the page, this is where I think that the four-letter network will never understand their full power. When Hendon Hooker loses, or sorry, when Tennessee loses and Hendon Hooker gets hurt, and the immediate talking point is well, the, the committee's going to penalize them because and Hooker's out. He is an afterthought. ESPN buried his chances of being voted on by voters and getting to New York because the moment he tore his ACL, even with only less than four or less than five quarters left in his season, he was done. Because suddenly, what's, let's talk about Ohio State versus Alabama and not Tennessee versus Alabama. Even though that's more of the, the argument to be had, they moved on, and because of that, too many people move on. And I, and I think you're hitting on something. Not really paying attention to the entire sport and just listening for headlines from the four letter network that really, right now, is a big part of controlling the sport and every narrative around it. That's one of the reasons Hendon Hooker's not in New York.
1: And I, I, you know, it also goes back to why you know Drake May wasn't talked about all that much. You know, he's, you get a freshman quarterback that's putting up ungodly numbers at North Carolina on an unbeaten season all the way up through uh, the, the final two games of the season, and you're sitting there going, "Why isn't this hype train of like like the Manziel hype train, where Manziel's losing games, but it was exciting? He and, had a nice nickname and uh, that helped him. Yeah, but I mean, but also like he was deserving. He was incredible, um, and he was outstanding to to you know put the the emphasis on the award. And I think for the most part, the Heisman finalists are the right group, the right mix. Um, but this, this year is just odd because this was a, a, an excellent chance to put some other position in that could get a little steam at the end of the season, a little traction. Like, Because you didn't really know. And Caleb Williams, I mean, here's how little Caleb Williams was watched this year. How little has it been covered about what he's writing on his hands? You know, F you to all these opponents. That's a national story if it's in the SEC. Because they're on national TV every single week. And that's how little SC was followed at 9.30 Eastern whenever they're playing in the Pac-12. I'm not saying everyone avoided watching them. They're a good team. But I don't think people paid attention nearly enough and they jumped on the groupthink train which is, oh, Caleb Williams is all of a sudden going to garner the attention because of the schedule. UCLA, Notre Dame to end the year, and then the Pac-12 championship. And you could feel the momentum coming because it was so uncertain on who was going to win the award after Hooker got hurt. But Chad, it's, it's kind of obvious, though. Like, I think, I think Williams is going to win, right? But if not him, it's C.J. Stroud, right? Because the vote to be in...
0: I, I think it should be Max Duggan, honestly. If, if I'm going to give it to anyone in that group, it's probably Max Duggan. And I am going to penalize Caleb Williams for writing FU. Oh, I think some will. to to About Notre Dame and about and, and putting LOL yeah. on a video of Max Duggan crying. No, I think some will. After the game. Well, I mean, let's let it affect him not go to New York. But I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> this say- is This is one of my big issues, though, is if it's – if you want to know why so many Tennessee fans think that the national media has it out for them, it's because of BS like this. You've got Hendon Hooker who did everything possible on the field Great for a team not ranked in the top 25. This is what the this is what you media and everyone thought of Hendon Hooker in Tennessee and the talent around him. Third in the SEC East behind Kentucky. That's where they were picked. They were number 1 in America in the college football playoff poll. They beat Alabama and Florida and at LSU, but it wasn't good enough for anyone. Wasn't It's not good enough that this guy is giving back to charity that he's a he is a published children's Christian book author and he's not going to New York. But the dude on the West Coast in the big market that puts paints his fingernails with F whoever the opponent is, and I can't say it on radio because we are a radio network also, but you know what the F stands for, puts it on his nails, and I'm no prude, but when that's the leader of your team and you're in the national spotlight, that's what's worthy of New York. That's what's worthy of the Heisman and not Hendon Hooker. It is BS, and I almost cussed right there, <laughs> but I didn't, and it's, I'm tired of it. And yeah. this is why what? if you want to see Tennessee fans get worked up, and I'm a Tennessee grad. I will be completely transparent about that. This is why. This is why. It makes no
1: sense. Make that make sense to me. Well, it goes, the only sense I can make of it is it's group thing. People jumped on the bandwagon who haven't even really paid attention to it. The whole process is messed up. There's way too many voters in this. At some point, I'd like Um, the group thing to actually award the right person. I have talked, well, I think they will. Um, I don't necessarily think it's, all Caleb Williams in a landslide here. I have no idea who's got the momentum with this. Because in the last time out, if it's recency, the last time out, Williams and USC, you want to talk about getting injured, I mean, there it is. He's he's out of the game. He's hurt. USC's losing. They're not in the playoff. So maybe it will be Duggan. But man, it was a 11th hour win, if that's the case. Look, I, I
0: like... Uh, you know, and I'm looking at numbers and all that. Can You can kind of get blinded by it, but also just tired of seeing all the numbers because all these guys have great numbers. I really like Max Duggan's story, you know, with the health problems and with TCU this year. I mean, part of the Heisman Trophy is about stories. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sorry if I prefer the story of Hendon Hooker getting benched at Virginia Tech, being called soft by his former head coach because he had a, a heart condition – they didn't know about, and his hands got cold in a game and he was shaking, and the staff thought he was soft, so he left. Turns out he had a heart condition. He doesn't win the job at Tennessee. After he commits to a program, That's coaching staff gets fired. New coaching staff comes in, brings in a new guy who starts over him, who's actually worse than him. He stays with it. He then becomes a starter, has a great year, and then has a Heisman worthy year after being published as a Christian author. Pardon me for liking that story. I'm a story a guy, story. and I like that story better than Caleb Williams being the number one prospect in America, going to Oklahoma, making the commitment to them, not getting benched, leaving to follow his coach who took the bag and ran to, to L.A. and USC, and then writing you know, F.U. to everyone in America on his nails. Sorry if I like that story better. Actually, I'm not sorry. It okay. should have been him over Caleb Williams. I've now talked myself into Hendon Hooker, being there over Caleb Williams and not yeah. having an issue with Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett, Bennett man. He, that's a story too. I love I love an those unbelievable stories. Unbelievable story. He the his story and he is shows up
1: when the eyes are on him every time. You think CJ Stroud or Stetson Bennett showing up in the college football playoff? Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett's gonna do it. He
0: he is big in the biggest moments. I also just naturally kind of fight against the best player on the best team winning it. And that's what the Stetson Bennett, if he wins it. To me, that's what it is. It's
1: more of a career well,
0: achievement award for him.
1: Brock Bowers is the best player on that team.
0: Yeah, well. the Well, sorry, let me re- rephrase. The
1: quarterback on the best team winning it. That's what will happen most years. And his story has been buried too. And it's the most obvious. Comparing Williams and Hooker, I would say to my what I'm saying about not following college football and actually digging up stuff, just watching your team or whatever these voters are covering in their little areas. Um, I don't know if... Some of these voters know either story. You're talking about the, the fingernails or the children's author. I don't know if either story
0: is well-known, honestly. Yeah, the moment Reese Davis went on air and said, well, the committee just put Tennessee down because and Hooker's hurt, it was over. Yeah. Their chance at being ahead of Alabama, done. The A chance of Hooker going to New York, over. But, hey, he said it. Oh, and people watched that that announcement and said, oh, yeah, he's right. You yeah. know, oh, there's only one
1: game left. Who cares? <laughs> Everything he did, Nolan and void, he got hurt. And it not just hurt, but lost to South Carolina. I mean, that, that was the lasting yeah. impression with it. Well, Hendon
0: Hooker didn't play safety in that game. But yes, Tennessee did lose to South Carolina. It certainly wasn't Hendon Hooker's fault. Had he thrown two or three picks in that game? Then I would say yes. But that game was not
1: on him. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360 on social. Coming up, North Carolina, out of the AP poll. This is a crazy fall. That's next on Outkick360. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
0: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13. Bringing it today. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. John I'm pissed off for greatness. will huh? join us in uh, about six minutes. Yeah. I love it. So uh, some some agree with
0: me on Twitter. You know, some don't. Such, sure. such is life, which is fine. Um, Gavin on Twitter says, Oh, that dude on the West Coast also has the best stats of the group and took a four-win team to 11 wins in the conference championship. Okay, while technically true, you took Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, who took that quarterback from Oklahoma, and Jordan Addison, the Bolitnikov award winner, and other big time transfers in. So, again, that they the took stat the program stuff. to the next level, but they did so with a lot of new guys immediately because of the transfer portal. So, it's, it's not like he took over a group of like plucky, you know, overachievers that were left behind and no one else wanted and then won, uh, you know, 11 games with a with a four-win team or what or 10 games, whatever
1: the final final win total was. He took a bunch of guys from other places. Um, Man, North Carolina's changed places from number one to out of the AP top 25. What a fall. And and just compare, I mean, look at Louisville. We've got the net rankings that are released today, CBS Sports with the graphic and Chad. I mean, they're at, they rank 361st on this. Out, it's out been updated. Of, yeah, 360, oh, 360 Out of me.
0: 363. Davey Hudson brought this to our attention yesterday. Oh, and eight. So Hartford, by the way, is leaving, like, basketball. I don't think they're going to have a program. <laughs> I'm, UAB. I'm not exaggerating this. Their coach resigned a week before the first game or, like, after the first game because he could Merrimack not – Merrimack
1: and Stony Brook he, are ahead of Louisville right now.
0: Hartford could not get – just keep in mind, this is where Louisville is. They're three spots away from Hartford, who I may be exaggerating some of this story, but the coach just left because the administration couldn't guarantee him there would be basketball next year. Like, they're trying to leave playing the sport. Not in just division one. I know they're dropping down at least a level or two at best. That's where Louisville is right now. Louisville. Uh close oh, to they're
1: they're they're dropping from division one to division three.
0: That's it. Yeah. Two two levels. Two.
1: And they're three levels bullet beneath Louisville right now in the net ranking. Crazy college basketball season. We'll be covering it in the upcoming yeah, weeks. North Carolina will be fine though. They'll be just fine. That's right. Mark my words. John McClain next will get kick three sixty.